0: Hello and welcome to Podcast Industry Experts, your monthly slice of podcast industry news served with a side of expert opinions. I'm Matthew Stevens, the head of marketing and content strategy here at Up Audio.
1: And I'm John Luckenbaugh, the lead audio engineer and owner of Up Audio. Together, we're your podcast industry experts. On the first Friday of every month, we'll be breaking down what the latest podcast news actually means for podcasters and talking to shop with other podcast industry experts. From current events. To the latest statistics.
0: And everything in between.
1: How are you doing today, John? Matt, I'm doing wonderful, man. Excited to
0: get this one off the ground again. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, same here. And for our very first episode, we have the man behind podcast ad tech. As I like to say it, he's the person I always go to when I want to learn more about podcast advertising and about the technology, especially that goes on in the background behind all of that stuff. Brian Barletta. Brian, how are you doing today?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me here. Awesome. Thanks for
0: being here. For those people that maybe don't know, though you should already, you should be following Brian on on Twitter, especially. If you're not doing that, you should definitely be subscribed to the Sounds Profitable newsletter, as well as Pod News, of course. So make sure you go do those things Brian. we kind of want to talk a little about what the the average independent podcaster needs to know about podcasting uh and and about podcast ads in specific my personal philosophy is that it's great that networks are making money it's great that brands are making money but i think what we've seen with like youtube for instance is once the average person, your average Joe who can set up his own channel, do his own thing, can begin actually making decent money and turn this into a career, we see some really cool creative things come out of that. that. So I want to help push independent podcasters and and brands to be able to do that stuff a little bit more often and and be creative. So uh, we're super excited to talk about all these different news stories.
2: Heck yeah, let's do it. Let's
0: start off with the big question. Does podcast advertising work? I know, like that's, Wow, what what a way to start off the
2: podcast. Yeah, Ooh, but, a <laughs> uh, no, let's pack it all in, guys, and switch to another medium. We could do Twitch streaming. Uh, I, we'll, <laughs> I'll run a Dungeons and Dragons game for everybody. I think the really hard part about podcasting and, and advertising monetization about a lot of things is really the scale, right? In the same term that we say podcasting, which this is a podcast, this is episode one, and I'm super excited to be here, but I hope that this is your least listened to episode ever, right? Because everything should build on itself. We also have companies that are using podcasting to basically pitch IPs that they're going to take and make into movies or TV shows or whatnot. So podcasting is such a wide term. I think podcast advertising does work. I think it works as or more effective than YouTube advertising to put more money in people's hands. I just think the valley is drastically bigger, right? Like, I feel like with YouTube, I think you need 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of uh of content consumed before you can start monetizing your channel. Anchor just released the ability that once you have 50 people listening to your show, which is a specific metric to Anchor, everybody else's downloads, but 50 people listening to your show, you can make money advertising Anchor. and And now granted, 20 episodes with 50 listeners will get you $15, and that's a lot of effort, but that's the lowest barrier for entry for content creation for host red. It's it's amazing. I think the hard part is the jump between I made $15 in 20 episodes to I paid for my car or my mortgage, to then this is a business. That jump is very large. There is a smaller group of people making that money, but I, I still believe that that's an attainable space that you can get to through partnerships, or there's more indie people in there than I think we really want to admit.
0: That's certainly fair. I mean, I I think that's that's one of the things that brought me to podcasting was the fact that there still are a lot of indie creators that are making it big. I mean, it, it really is. It feels like one of the few mediums, creative mediums on the internet that exists where you have a legitimate shot at being able to become famous in that way to have your stuff listened to by a hundred thousand plus people rather than, than having to fight against it. It still might be a smaller percentage than if you're able to dump a hundred thousand dollars into your show, but the possibility is still very much there. Whereas like a blog and and YouTube videos and Twitch streaming, that stuff seems like a very, uh, a slow slog and even harder to get into that, uh, that upper echelon you're talking about, Brian.
2: I do think though that we've hit that phase where we could hit a bit, right? Your show could just catch on, the content and the production be, could be great and you could be able to do it all yourself. But in the same way, if I said to you like, hey, I'm gonna open a store and I was like, but I'm not gonna invest any money into it. I'm not gonna put $100,000 into start up a retail location and buy inventory and do advertising and cultivate a following, you would laugh at me. So I think that we just need to differentiate the fact that I think there's still a possibility for breakthrough success. No one should hope for that. It it happens when it happens. But I think that to make that breakthrough success into a business, or for someone who wants to turn podcasting into a business, you got to invest in it like a business. And I think that that's the differentiation we need to focus on, right? You can make a few bucks, but businesses need investment.
1: Compared to like broadcast radio, what makes podcasting different? What allows podcasting to
2: reach these listeners in a new way? I think the on-demand nature is really attractive for people. You know, I don't have a broadcast radio background. James Cridlin has so many thoughts on all these things, and you should definitely have him on for it. But for me, you know, I grew up in Massachusetts, and there were so many local personalities. And what's been neat is some of those personalities are still there, and they're nationwide now or for a specific region. So it's still cool to hear that they still exist, doing the same thing they've been doing for 30 years. I don't know if they're happy about it, but it's it's familiarity. But my understanding is that a lot of radio condensed, right? So a lot of those local voices became national voices or regional voices, and you lost a lot of that local appeal. With podcasting, I'm in San Antonio. I could very easily have a San Antonio-based podcast. I'm addicted to coffee in San Antonio. There's like 50-plus different places to get coffee here. And I constantly keep thinking about starting like a podcast about it, and I could. And so I think the appeal is that it's it's niche subject matter capable. It's accessible to so many more people. Like we're recording with video right now, but we could turn this off and it could be just as successful. And I think a good microphone and talking in your closet can be way easier for a lot of people than a good video setup. Or feeling confident on a camera. I can edit my voice to sound good. I can't edit, <laughs> you know, I literally started shaving my head because I was on so many video calls and didn't like my receding hairline. So, you know, I think that's the appeal to podcasting. It's the lower barrier to entry, the ease of upgrading and the niche content matter that it opens people up to. But then people go into the same trope, right? Like, I really enjoyed the Seth Rogen podcast. There's nothing wrong with that, but it is a mainstream podcast. So these are how things grow.
0: One of the things I think that that differs between podcasting and radio, maybe you can help confirm this in, in your own opinion is it really does seem like like you said with the, the streaming nature the on-demand nature i'm going to choose something that i want to watch or listen to versus it's just on and kind of background noise and at least maybe for for our generation and younger i i think that we're starting to see that where like traditional television and traditional radio is really just background noise half of its ads nowadays half of it is just not entertaining or it's it's very focused, grouped, I think, in a lot of ways, whereas a podcast, I'm listening to something that I very specifically want to either learn about or I'm entertained by these specific people. uh, So I'm more apt to pay attention. And We've seen some of the stats kind of go alongside that. Do you think that's kind of why podcast advertising makes so much more sense for businesses now is because you're getting that that direct
2: audience ear in a way that you weren't before? I'm going to absolutely start a fight right now. Um, I just watched Dune last night. And I did not enjoy it as much as I've been enjoying Foundation on Apple TV because it's bingeable and it's set in these small chunks that can pull back in and explore in different ways than a movie can. I'm falling out of love with movies because a movie is a set format that has to be presented the same way. And by that same logic, I'm really into Robin Hobb right now for audiobooks. I'm on Royal Assassin and I love it. But if I don't pay attention I have to rewind it and listen to it again. There is no podcast, even audio drama, that doesn't prevent that issue, right? They're built in a way that they have to be a little circular in how they speak. And so you can do other tasks while still being fully engaged and not feel dumb or not feeling like you have to catch back up. You can keep going. And so I think that it's, it feels like it is a, a bingeable, excitable thing that is with you versus you having to be tuned into that. It's lean back versus lean forward. And and I think that podcasting really nails it. That's a great point, Brian. There was a recent
1: Signal Hill Cumulus survey that found that of all media, podcast content generates the greatest degree of consumer concentration, with 81% of podcast listeners pay close attention to what they listen to. And comparatively, like social media was 1.4 times lower at 62%. The report also shows that 71% reported higher levels of engagement value when listening to podcasts compared to 57% while checking the news or reading social posts, and 54% when watching short videos on platforms like TikTok. It really seems like attentiveness would be a great metric to measure a campaign's effectiveness.
2: You know, that's the hard part in podcast advertising is that all the podcast advertising is based on Was the ad included in the file and did the part of the file make it down to the device? And so, in the same way that we don't put that pressure on radio or billboards or mailers, like we need to ease up a little bit on podcasting because everybody wants those live metrics. Nobody in podcasting is like, I don't want them, right? It would make everything easier, but that's just, it's a different channel. And with that in mind, out of home is surging right now, right? I have a friend whose company, Wraps cars with ads and they have never had more business. And that's, it's so neat. And they have so little ability to track that. Right. And so the fact is, is that we're able to tell effectiveness in relational ways. Right. It's data modeling, it's, it's all of that. So the big thing is that, like, if the attention is there and you can tell that the podcaster holds attention and you can do that yourself, if you log into Apple Podcast Connect or Spotify's podcast portal, Amazon and Google, I believe both of them have one. If not, definitely Google does. It'll show you app-based listen statistics. That means where the listener who uses that app dropped off in your show. If you use that to tailor your show to drive better listenership, obviously, Kate taking into account, like you're then tailoring towards a specific audience, that attentiveness holds over to everything. It holds over to the content that's in there, and it holds over to the ads inside so when you run a campaign and people are engaged in your show and the ads that you're putting in there don't cause drop-off, it's easy to assume that you're going to provide a better outcome for those advertisers. I built my my career
0: in journalism before this and, and other things before that on being in a niche, talking a very, about a very specific thing. I mean, Brian, you certainly have as well, talking about podcast advertising. That's a niche, and I and I think podcasting does that better than certainly what we see in so many other mediums as well. Uh, blogging does that incredibly well yeah. as well. But I, I think that also speaks a lot to the attentiveness as well. Is I'm listening to a very niche topic that I want to listen to, so I'm more apt to pay attention than I am if it's just generalities or, or broad strokes. I'm able to get into the thing that I exactly want to do, whether that be Dungeons & Dragons, star wars podcasts on podcasting or
2: you know any, anything i i really like that john you mentioned the newsfeed and, and all that like it's really interesting the idea of sitting down to watch a half an hour of hour of news, news to me is nauseating i'm 35 years old i'd love to tell you that i'm like hip and modern like but i haven't had cable in 10 years it is constantly a fight when family come to visit i'm just like i'm very sorry that we don't have Turner classic movies for you. Like, oh, we can't watch the one sports game you really wanted to watch. But there's nothing of value there because I'm not in charge. I have very limited time. And when I want to consume content, I want to be in charge. That's why scrolling, we call it doom scrolling because you are looking for the pieces that resonate with you. And because they're so few and far between, even though the other stuff has substance, you're not hooked in. You're What's next? What's next? What's next? podcasting is you put it in, you've decided you want it, you put it in your pocket. I've absolutely started up a podcast and been like, oh, this is going to be great. And then five minutes in, I was like, oh, this sucked," And that happens. But then I find another podcast on that subject and I dig into it, whether it's being educated or just wanting to laugh or anything. Like, It really lends itself to
0: you being in charge. Yes, very much so. And for anyone out there that is listening to either is thinking of starting a podcast or again, if you're a brand, those are the things that you really should want to hear is when people are, are listening to what you have, it's because they want to listen. They have found you, they have searched for you. They find that content interesting. And, and regardless of how niche it is, regardless of, of any of that stuff, it's not just, again, background noise. It's not just on to be on. It's on because people want to listen. So that's a positive thing. That any listens you have is good listens. <laughs> it means people care about what you have to say.
2: The big thing is, is that if podcasting is going to be your main moneymaker, then you have to invest into it. But it's a it's such a killer channel. Like Sounds Profitable does maybe 2,000 downloads a month. Let's well, caveat, right? I have two different podcasts every week, right? I have my narrated articles and my my interviews. So that's eight episodes. It's not impressive numbers per episode, right? But Sounds Profitable is meant to be for a very specific audience. The mid to upper tier of podcasting or the people who want to be part of that side of the business, who want to learn about podcast advertising and ad tech. And so to me, it's a great way for people to stumble onto it. It's a great way to showcase amazing voices and create that collaboration and cohesiveness in the community I'm trying to build. And then more than that, it's to sell my other services. Sounds Profitable is sponsorship-based. And so my sponsors come on and, you know, we do a shout out for the name and all of that. We do dynamic ad insertion for it, but they get one hour of consulting a month. And that one hour of consulting is baked into the cost. And if we broke down CPM, I might give Spotify a run for their money on the CPM that I'm making. But at the end of the day, the podcast is a test bed for me. It's a great funnel for me into more things. It's a great output and showcase. And that's very different than like it's your flagship. So. I think anyone of any size should get into podcasting, but you need to determine, is it your main thing or is it an auxiliary thing? And then you need to determine if it's your main thing, how much are you going to invest in it? And if it's your auxiliary thing, you can take it a little slower. That's
1: great advice.
0: That's amazing. Let's dip a little bit more into contextual ads where we're talking about how, how niche the subject can get, how the content really is king in this regard. Contextually, we're seeing some issues recently of, you know, podcast listeners complaining about the ads they hear. Reply All just recently had an issue with like the US military putting an ad on there and people going crazy over it. You and I, I think, have talked a little bit about this previously, Brian, but let's talk about it here. It really does seem like with the medium being such a creative one, such a story-driven one in a lot of ways, it's important that the ads match that if they clash it, you know, if you're doing a thing on on the war in Afghanistan, and then a U.S. military ad pops up, A, you're, you're certainly not hitting the audience you want to hit to begin with. Uh, and then on top of it, it is such a huge shock to every listener that it kind of pulls them out of if we're being real. So, yeah, I know there's no easy solution to this, realistically, but I think where is the breakdown in that process, do you think, from, hey, guys, we're going to do a podcast about, again, the war on Afghanistan. And then someone booking an ad for the U.S. military. Where, where is that breakdown? It's just lack of communication between.
2: humans, Sales and. Yeah. Okay. Humans. <laughs> it's all humans. So the technology is really basic. Right. It is keyword to keyword matching. Right. It says these keywords existed and I don't want this type of content. So I want to give you an example. Um, you can also do it like by advertiser, by specific advertiser. But like if I, if you, you're the person handling the ads and you name it as Dell Computers and I name the advertiser that I don't want on my show as Dell.com, it doesn't match. And if it doesn't match, then it doesn't block it. And so if I write Afghanistan, I do not want an advertiser to say, I'd like to block Afghanistan because that's how you defund the news and education, right? Black Lives Matter and uh, Jewish were terms that were blocked by major companies during the pandemic and during everything that's been going on. And it's awful because you defund the news, right? Because NPR needs your money from advertising to continue putting out this content. And if you decide that you don't want to be on anything that says quarantine, what was there for the first year of the pandemic, right? Like, how do they make money? Now, That's why that's brand safety is that mindset. Brand suitability is what content do you want to be on versus brand safety is what content do you not want to be on? And I think that's more important. Looking at Reply All and looking at the content that they're in, the US military or the Marines or whatever it was should have been like, I do not want that inventory. That's not a good fit for them. But the problem is, is that a human has to say, this is what this show is about. And then another human has to say, this is what this ad is about or this company is about and try and decide that. And we move so fast. And it's because of margin. I'd love to tell you that they're like, oh man, we're just underwhelmed. But like, there's enough money to make it happen, right? There are enough people out there who would love an entry-level job where their goal is to listen to every podcast and like thumbs up, thumbs down, give some category names, listen to every ad and just classify it. We're not prioritizing. it. It's not unique to podcasting, But what's unique about it is the personal involvement and the creator ownership. So think about it like this. If I wrote an article for the New York Times, I'm a New York Times journalist, and it's in the newspaper, and it's on the website, and next to it was that ad that I didn't like. No one will care what my opinion is. And if I speak that opinion, I'll probably get fired. Because what has happened is I have accepted a job to write content in a place where they will sell advertising. That's the relationship. And that's what Reply All under Gimlet did with Spotify. And so while it's super cool that they're speaking out against it, they probably should have that conversation internally because they are part of Spotify. Their jobs depend on it. I hope that they can exit their contract and do their own thing and hit gold again if that really bothered them that much. But come on, there's so much content out there and they've They've been behind that walled garden. At a certain point, like you're part of, you got to play ball. You can't just be like, ah, fight the machine when you're in the machine.
1: So would this be where the advertisers or the, the show would create a better description? Is that what you're saying on what they do or don't want on their show? Then Spotify would go through and they would remove it. It's because they didn't have that in their description.
2: Well, okay, let's let's do this right there. Could you name, give me one or two words. Examples of things you'd like to block, and I'll show you how we can wiggle around it, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's, that's a very good point. Yeah. It'd
2: be like military war, but then, yeah, yeah, it's super
0: easy to get around with that by going like US military or Marines.
2: The advertising company is set up as US government advertising branch. That doesn't flag against mm-hmm. Army. That doesn't. What happens if Army isn't part of that name? You got to have more human control. Everybody's going to listen to everything. You got to talk through it. And this is why. You don't have the time or money for that. Oh, there's the money. (laughs) (laughs) People don't want to spend it because, but this is the difference, right? I think that this is where working with a network or buying host thread gets you that relationship. You can still provide your produced ad, but if you work directly with a specific show or a network of shows, they know their publishers inside and out and can represent them. As you get to the next step of marketplace, it takes more people to do that. And as you get to programmatic, you are relying on the tools to be properly filled out to make sure that that's successful. And you're hoping for a lack of abuse on the advertiser or the publisher side. This is not a unique concept to podcasting. Branded is a company or a, a branded is a, a newsletter. It's part of checkmyads.org. You, everybody should subscribe to that if you're even remotely interested in misinformation and, and defunding terrible points of view in ad tech. And, they are just finding these ads from like Warby Parker's ads were on like the post millennial or something like that. And they just didn't know because what, what they flagged wasn't caught by all the spaghetti that is ad tech in other spaces. And this is why I push for people to know more about ad tech and podcasting. The tools that you can use today are the same tools that they use on the Joe Rogan show, that they use on every Wondery show that they use on everything, right? You can get access to Megaphone. You can get access to Art19, Omni Studio. These are the major platforms and all the tools are the same. There's nothing hidden, right? There might be some more management that they provide to you, but knowing it now will prevent it from becoming that awful, obfuscated mess. And it'll allow people to say, well, we for podcasting, we'd rather throw people at it and have true ownership than go to a, A wholly hands-off approach.
0: It also sounds like, and and you kind of mentioned this point a few times, that it's not an issue that is only for podcasting. Every creative medium has to go through this. I I know, again, having having been a journalist, there were plenty of times where ads pop up where you're like, "Oh man, really? Like that's that's sending the wrong message right now. This is a little wacky." Unfortunately, nothing you can do about it because, like you said, I I clock in, I clock out. That's what my job is. My job's not to tell them the ad on there sucks, but Part of me also wonders if, obviously, the the this is such a small medium, relatively speaking. Granted, we talk about how how many podcasts are, how big it's growing, all of those things, but in reality, is still in infancy. I wonder if issues like the reply all issue is is more of a an outlier of what it is than what the standard probably is. So, like, it does it look it looks worse than it really is, is what I'm basically trying to say. But yeah. Because it's such a tight-knit
2: community, we all go like, reply all. You know, only the, the shit only floats to the top, right? Like we're not seeing about all the success. We're not seeing about all the networks that are able to fund and grow because they have advertising. Because a lot of them keep their heads down. Part of it is the publicity and the aspect there, but but there are a lot of companies that are doing really well with advertising that we don't know about. They're just not named in ways that are consumer accessible. They're not built out for that. Cadence 13, as a network, they rep a lot of shows. And until they started working with Triton Digital to have everything ranked by them, it wasn't visible what Cadence did and it not work with. But they're huge and they're finding massive success and they're part of Odyssey now. And everything is going generally good, but it is so easy to harp on the negative. It's honestly the main reason I started Sounds Profitable because I would load up like TechCrunch or something else and there'd be someone being like, ooh, podcast ad- advertising? Not quite yet. And I'd be like, what are you, what are you talking about? You could not be more wrong. Like, I'm sorry that this isn't something that you can just go click three buttons on and be live. But like, if you spend two days on it, you make a lot of money as an advertiser or as a publisher.
0: And again, we're seeing those numbers time and time again. We've talked about it on on the Up podcast, on podcasting a bunch that, yeah, I mean, the conversion, rates, the buy rates on that stuff, despite not having a direct link or anything, like you got to go type in Warby Parker or whatever it is. It's higher than what you traditionally see on things like social media and stuff like that, where where people are spending billions of dollars. So it, it is odd to me that we're, myself included, I, I think we all look at the negative sides of of all of these things, doom scrolling, as it were, when it comes to podcast ad tech, uh, because it is such a, a small industry that is still in its infancy. So it feels like we kind of like, maybe have more of a hand in how it turns out to be, rather than these other things where it's like, it's just. None of us can tell Facebook what to do. Yeah. So, you know, like that that type of a feeling. That makes
2: sense. Well, let's jump on that for a second. I love emo music. I love ska music and things like that. And like I was reflecting on how negative it was to call somebody a sellout. Like when I was a kid. <laughs> like that was like a real bad thing. And then like sometime in my twenties, like that was like a cool thing. And it feels like with podcasting, you have the options. You can't sell out, quote unquote, and you can sell over to someone big. And that's awesome. I'm very happy for your success. I'm not here to get in the way of that, but it does change things. And you have to acknowledge that and you have to be cool with me no longer wanting what you're putting out because it's been sold in exchange. Or you can go at it alone. You can build it and you can and do it yourself and you can be against that mindset. It's harder. There's less money, but people can group together and we're starting to see that. And I think that it's cool to see that in podcasting because you can't really do that in video, right? Like some of the bigger uh, YouTube stars are starting to have like their own website where they put their content out like a week beforehand on their website on a paid solution or even just on their website. And then they put it out on YouTube afterwards. And like, I don't know, man, I've been like, I might follow a YouTube person, but I'm I'm a YouTube customer before I am their follower, right? I'm in that funnel. And in podcasting, if I don't like a podcast app, I can just switch. I'll mess around. I'll listen to certain things on Overcast, certain things on Spotify, certain things on Apple Podcasts. And if one of them's just not jiving with me that week, I'll just switch everything over to a new one. I am in control. Then listen to it on a web app now through Podchaser, right? Like that's neat. There's so much growth potential here with that. But the other thing I want to ask, what what's your favorite product you've ever bought from a podcast app? Oh, that's a good one. I could just rattle mine off. Be, like I bought too many. We have a Simply Safe. Um, so thanks Pod Save America. Uh, we have a Peloton. Couldn't tell you who that's from. That might just be working in the industry. I think I got a, I finally got one of those coveted, like you work in advertising. So we'll cut you a deal type of things. But I mean, Tim Ferris, like not to talk about my dark days in my twenties, but I definitely bought a lot of me undies because of that, dude.
0: I was just getting ready to say, I haven't bought MeUndies yet, but it is, I am so close to that purchase point now because <laughs> I have heard so many ads for undies and they sound amazing because they're all host red ads. It's not just some generic dude talking about it. It's someone that I, I have built some, even if only on my yep. end, familiarity with, which is
2: it's dangerous in its own right, but it's also great for selling stuff. Tim Ferriss is a great example. He, he removed ads and went behind a paywall at one point, and people hated it. Because they were like, no, 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 your ads are in our recommendation, right? Like, I haven't bought a dress shirt in two years, but let me tell you, I can still remember his ads for Mizzen and Maine. Because it doesn't wrinkle when you put it in your suitcase. Like I'm gonna be traveling anytime soon, and it just you know, or wearing a dress shirt, and it's uh, it just makes me laugh because these things stick with you because the people that you're choosing to let into your head resonate with you, and it doesn't matter if you're some nerd talking about podcast ad tech, or you're a massive celebrity. When you are passionate about something, it resonates, right? I was talking to um, Fium, fum, f u m with the umlauts above the u. It's like a a vaporizer style device to help you quit smoking. And they went after very niche relationships. And some of them are just the, some of the publishers are very small, but it resonates with the topic and the relationship, right? They they hit it out of the park with the comedy podcasts, because people who like comedy tend to take cigarette breaks, like who knew? And everybody is slowly realizing it's smoking cigarettes is probably not great for you. It's only been 20 years, 30 years of us saying that, but like, that's cool. So just as much as you are niche, there are niche advertisers out there that resonate with you. There's technology companies that your 100 per, like 100 download an episode, like IT infosec show could be amazing for because the contract that they sign with the company that that hears your ad and goes with it could be $100,000 a year. So this is where like, if you want to plug in and get ads like YouTube, yeah, man, pack it up. We've never been at that space for podcasting and there's no reason to believe that we're going to get there. We can get you to $15 in 20 episodes, (laughs) like good on you, but build something that nobody else is doing and realize that every single listener that you have is more powerful when it is so narrow that you can charge more for it.
0: That, that is something I harp on so much. And, and I think regular listeners of, of our shows will say, you know, I believe being niche is and, and being so focused on what your content is, is super, super important. And, and kind of what you're saying, Brian, is, is that it's less like advertising on a radio show at that point or a television show as it is influencer marketing to a certain degree. Like you mentioned, I, I'm buying something because that's someone's recommendation, not because it's an ad on a show but because they said they've used it and they love it. So I'm more apt to buy it. Now, there are certainly, there are certain ones out there. I'm going to point out the Sklar Brothers and they're pushing of that digital photo frame for like way too much money. And they say (laughs) it's the best gift they've ever given their mom. And it totally reads like a, oh, cool, someone slapped a script in front of you. You like did like a half quick look read over top of it and you're hitting some bullet points, but it's clearly something you've never bought for anybody in your family. It's such a lie. So there are instances where that goes sour as well. But yeah. To your point. Yeah. When, when I get
2: there's there's damn me undie. Right? Me undie. If you're listening, I, I hook us up. I guess <laughs> everybody who listens to this podcast has been known to wear underwear. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> they might not currently. And that's okay. It's a rough time, but
0: they've been known to. That is a good point. You did something pretty recent that we were both impressed with John and myself. And I heard John commented on about on Twitter is the spanish voiceover
2: oh that's so fun
0: that's amazing like the thing you and evo did where where you guys like swapped voices almost technology is certainly pushing us in into that direction deep fake style but there's some positives there being the thing that you did with your your podcast in which it was now in in spanish uh so you opened up new geographic doors yeah we all talk about diversity and inclusion that's super important and it's nice to be able to make sure that people can hear everything that you've got to say. But I'm going to be a little corporatist here for a second. There's got to be a direct value. There's got to be a dollar and cent value for being able to go into the Latin market or into you know, the various Asian markets and, and do that type of stuff. Again, we're talking about niche content for a lot of things. What are you seeing on that front? Have you seen anything on that front that goes, there is definitely a reason to do a multilingual podcast. Every podcast should now be that, not just from a cultural aspect, but from a, you're going to make more money, you're going to get more downloads or or listens or however you want to do that.
2: Are you seeing that type of stuff? So, okay. Remembering that I'm talking to the mid-topper tier, people who are are investing in growing their podcasts. Like, and that's not to diminish the people that are putting their time in and not money. Like, I I just I write for a different audience and I'd love for you to be part of that audience. And I'd love for also you to want to join the industry because it doesn't hurt to work in the industry and then also be on a microphone or build it out or do your own thing. There's so much space for that. But I think what's really important to think about is that people enjoy content in the the language that's native to them. And we take for granted how pervasive English is. Not so much of business is transacted in English. But that doesn't mean that you can digest it as easily, right? I, the amount of times that I speak to people who English isn't their first language, and they apologize to me, and it kills me. They're just like, oh, I'm sorry, I, could you repeat that? And I was like, yeah, man, I barely speak English. Like, you are not the problem here. I am. I'm an ignorant American. I'm a bald white dude with beard and glasses. And I'm very excited for that. So, you know, the 3,500 people listen to or read Sounds Probable, right, every week. I have almost 40 people in two or three weeks signed up for the Spanish newsletter. That's really neat. I haven't done any marketing for it. It's just there, we share it, and it's awesome. But what I really like about it is that, to me, it's a challenge. Because I basically said, if this resonates, well, there's got to be someone in a Spanish-speaking country or, or just who speaks Spanish fluently, who can speak to people who can't speak English or don't and have better conversations. And let's run actually a Spanish version of Sounds Profitable, where it's not transcribing my English words into Spanish, but it's, or I guess translating, uh, but it's localizing and creating like, uh, was it Song Exploder is doing, right? They're making a version of it that is unique to Spanish language and Spanish music, and that's so neat. But let's flip it one more time. Squid Game, I haven't watched it yet because I'm, I'm I don't like gore. But like, how many things have you watched on Netflix or Hulu or whatnot that have been other languages brought here, and it's either subtitled or dubbed? Money Heist. Yeah, look, all these things that like they're just different views and different artistic expressions that we don't have here. I actually hope that someone sees this and goes, well, I I can do that in Spanish. I don't need him. And then they go to Veritone and say, we'd like to do it in English. Like, come come on, man. Like, or woman, like, or anyone. Like, it would make me so happy to invite more people to share this spotlight where I can get out of the way because I'm not the smartest voice here. I'm just the loudest right now. So that's what really excites me is that that it creates access. And and I absolutely mean it. If there's someone out there who's like, I want to do my own thing, I'll fund them. I'll pay for their voice. I'll pay for their transcription to start and let them get off the ground. We'll figure out how to collaborate together for a little bit, but it's theirs. I don't want to own it. That's I awesome. want to give them That's more of a That's such
1: stage. a cool idea. Yeah. Collaborating with someone from across the world that you can't speak the same language, that you can still use this to, wow. Uh...
0: This is the one thing I love about podcasting, and certainly the, the industry as a whole, is. And Brian, you're a great example of this. Ariel's another great example of this. So many people are so willing to give of their time and ability and expertise and insights simply because we just want to make cool stuff. We want more cool, creative things out in the world. I love that about this industry. And again, if you're thinking about joining the industry, whether as an independent, whether as an employee, or whether as a brand, like that, this is kind of the cool thing that is about podcasting is it is still so creative driven and creator driven that we get a chance to create some really, really neat stuff that tells a great story, that does the things we want to do, whatever the goal is, and get to have a lot of fun doing it.
2: And the audience gets to have a lot of fun doing it too. The one thing I want to do there, I want to drive that hard line. If you want to tell a story, tell a story. And don't worry about yeah. monetization. Don't worry about anything else. Put your passion into it and have fun. This idea that every story needs to be told, I don't agree with. But if you want to tell it and you want to do it, do it. Not everything people create Is monetizable. Not everything is a smart business idea. In the same way that I shouldn't buy a one wheel as a 35 year old with two kids, (laughs) right? Like you shouldn't bet the farm on making a podcast your career. But if you find something that resonates, do it. Even if it just makes you happy, do it. But the advertising side of it is complex. And just because you're having fun on the mic or editing or setting it up in your hosting platform doesn't mean you want to sell or market it. And that's why it's good to work with other companies and teams to really figure out what you want to do. I don't edit my own podcast. Ian Powell, good friend of mine, he's been training relentlessly to build it up. We're going to do a video podcast soon. He's going to figure out as a non-Spanish speaker, how to take, we're going to translate and, and do synthetic voice for me and Ariel in Spanish. Which So he's going to have to listen for the beats and the timestamps to make sure that everything flows. And that's so cool. I don't want to do that. Ariel handles all of the social media. I don't want to do that, right? I like, I like talking to sponsors. I like the consulting. I like being on the mic or coming up with ideas and writing the articles. You have to make an investment. I, I chose to pair those things off when I was not making enough money to pay them. And now, because of that investment, Sounds Profitable has a lot of runway. And I'm very, very excited to continue to give back to this community. Oh, Brian, you are awesome. This is so great. I will come back literally anytime. And what I can say is that, you know, if you're listening to this show, you're in good hands, right? Talk to these guys. They know what they're talking about. And what's really cool about them is that they'll point you in the right direction to learn more yourself, too. And if anybody has any questions, please, first off, subscribe to Sounds Profitable if it's interesting to you, but shoot them over here and I'll come back and we'll answer them. We'll do quick bits. I'll do a cameo whatever. We'll talk about whatever for advertising, but just remember why you're in podcasting and what you want out of it and just change it to, I'm going to open a retail clothing store and see how your sentence resonates when you say the same things about investing in it or prioritizing it or time. And just be real with yourself. That is amazing advice,
0: Brian. Where can people find you? Obviously, Sounds Profitable is your newsletter, so SoundsProfitable.com it makes the most sense there. Where can they follow you on on social media for your uh, great insight? And again, I know I've seen you help people on Twitter and stuff like that. So, so if you could tell us, uh, tell us people where to find you.
2: Yeah, so I, I just finally grew up. It's no longer a high five RPG because my Twitter was where I just read Dungeons and Dragons conversations. I'd love to say that wasn't true, but it sure is. But now it's Brian Barletta, Brian with a Y. That's where I'm way more casual. You can reach out there anytime. You can reply to any Sounds Proper newsletter. There's a contact form or my email on the website. Uh, but even more so, ask, ask these two fine gentlemen questions and then we have an excuse for more content. We'll build something more together.
0: Oh, what what a great call to action. That's all for this month's podcast news and opinions. If you like what you heard or found it valuable, please subscribe to our podcast and leave reviews wherever you get your podcast set. Also, make sure to check out our other shows, the queued up podcast on podcasting, where I teach you how to make better podcast content, sound better on the mic, and grow your podcast audience. We also have cover to cover our podcast all about audiobooks, from writing. To marketing, host Isabel Mongeau helps independent authors turn their traditional books into top selling audiobooks. And as always, check us out on Twitter at QDUPAudio and go to our blog at mypodcastagency.com for even more great podcast advice and opinions.